0: I don't care what these communists say, I don't care what these <laughs> socialists say, I don't care what these blue haired freaks say with a taco box in their face at the college campus. <laughs> one in
1: a million, a million, the one villain, too hot to be in the kitchen, I'll end up melting the ceiling. This video is brought to you by ExpressVPN.
0: Please welcome, from North Carolina, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. <laughs>
1: I remember this guy, like he had the the video that went viral when he was, uh, I think he was at City Hall or something like that, where he was like going off on liberals or something about that. (laughs) Thank you, Tracy. yeah it is (laughs) it is
0: they told me i had 12 minutes i don't see anything on the screen so i guess i'm with y'all for the rest of the evening (laughs) not going to use that podium i can't stand still i got vertigo i might fall off this stage very first thing i'm going to do is always i'm going to give thanks to my lord and savior jesus christ that's the very first thing i'm going to do I said on the twenty seventh floor
1: of this. All right, I want to say something right now. I am not one of those people who are like against religious people expressing their faith and their beliefs. I'm not someone who thinks that people have to be quiet or should, you know, not speak out about their faith. Right? I'm not one of those people. I am one of the people who think that religion and politics should be separate. I am somebody who thinks that your religious beliefs doesn't do you any favors bringing it into the political realm, right? So your personal belief is different than your political beliefs. Now, a lot of people, political beliefs stem from their religious beliefs, which is understandable. I mean, most of our political beliefs stem from somewhere, whether you, you know, had certain experiences in life or whether you think that people should behave a certain way, you're going to vote based on how you think the world ought to be or what principles that you instill in your own personal life, right? I'm not somebody to get around from that, right? I get that the GOP is heavily focused on, like, the the religious aspect of it. They appeal to the religious right because most of the people on the right are religious. Most of the people on the left are religious as well. I just think that the conservatives on the GOP focus heavily on the, the, the Christian aspect of it. And That's something that I had to learn to accept over time. It's not something that I think that should never be done. I just think that we have to be real careful allowing uh, religious ideas to be at the forefront of why we justify our political positions. I believe that conservative positions can be justified without any religious uh, affiliation. You can separate the two and still come to the same conclusion, or at least you should be able to if you do enough thinking Right, And I believe that should be on the left as well. Policies, legislation, and your uh, political positions should be informed based on facts, outcomes, um, your your, 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 uh, values. And you can have all of those things independent of your religious beliefs. And I think that the GOP do themselves a disservice sometimes by focusing too much on the religious aspect of it. Because I do believe that there are many non-religious people or people of different faiths who vote conservatively and don't agree with us particular religion.
0: This hotel last night, and looked out over the skyline of Dallas, Texas. I am a poor kid from Greensboro, North Carolina. An alcoholic father uh, my, who died when I was 12 years old. My mother made me the man that I am. Every strike that the left says I have, I had against me. Poor black, uh, a widowed mom, living on the wrong side of the tracks. But that poor black kid from the wrong side of the tracks was sitting on the 27th floor of this hotel overlooking the dallas skyline as the first black lieutenant governor of north carolina
1: all right so this is good this is juicy stuff right and i will get to y'all questions i promise (laughs) but this is juicy stuff and the reason i think this is juicy because like (laughs) there's two things here the first thing is and I'm, i'm gonna go with the the bad part of saying this in a speech and politicians do this in general this is a very like normal thing in the world of politics where people use antidote like evidence to support their position to say i'm this guy i went through this and i was able to make it so there's no excuse right everybody's personal experience is different right There are fundamental factors that played into this man's life that may have caused him to get where he is, that caused him to think the way that he thinks, and that shaped and molded him into a certain type of person. It may just be a genetic aspect of it that he filtered through a lot of his experiences and came to different conclusions. What's true for him isn't true for every poor black kid growing up in the projects, right? That's that's number one. But on the other side is he's telling a story to inspire and to, to wake up people who use excuses and allow their past to determine their future. And he's saying, given my circumstances, statistically, people would expect me to have a different outcome. Your outcome does not have to be determined by your past. You can break that mold and you can get away from that. That's an inspirational thing that I agree with him. And I'm somebody who heavily sides on that side of the fence. I have a very similar background, not exactly like his, but I can completely understand where he's coming from. And he's making this point to say, America can be a great place and you can make it in America. If you apply yourself, if you try hard, you stop making excuses, it can happen in this country. And I agree with him for the most part, right? All right, let me see what y'all got going over here. Uh, have you been on Chaotic Truth live stream before? He has more viewers, so it'd be good for you. I haven't, but uh, I'll look up. I'll look up his YouTube channel. Uh, I don't know if he takes calls or whatever, but I'm not gonna call in his show or her show. I don't know if uh, Chaotic Truth is a guy or if, uh, or it's a guy, but uh, I won't call in. But if we reach out to each other and we decide to do something, I'll do that. Uh, I didn't know CPAC happened either. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) Uh, Completely agree. (laughs) Conservatives are more favorable towards tradition in general and religion is a tradition. Yes, uh, conservatives are more favorable when it comes to traditions. Uh, Conservatives believe that there is something inherently valuable from what we've learned from the past. And we should draw lessons from the past in order to inform ourselves about the future. And not only to inform ourselves about the future, but to inform ourselves about the fundamental aspect of human nature and to learn those lessons and take them serious enough when we make legislation and policy. And I think that is something that conservatives do very well at. Uh, Liberals tend to be more focused on the future and what we can be and what our potential is. And they put that before like tradition. And I don't think it's either or. I think you should look to the future and you should try to make the future better. But you should also do that while being informed by tradition and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And it's a fine line that people have to walk and learn to juggle. And it's not necessarily that easy because the argument is usually what's useful and what isn't useful, what we should keep and what we shouldn't keep. And that's where a lot of the fundamental disagreements come from. Not everyone has the same challenges to overcome, but everyone has challenges. Facts. Amen to that. Amen to that. And I think challenges are good. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that pain and suffering is necessarily a bad within itself. I think it builds character and it instills resilience in people and allow people to like prepare themselves for even harder challenges in the future. Some people try to avoid conflict and pain and suffering altogether. And I don't think that's a smart move of course as humans we want to put ourselves in the best position but at the same time to think that you're going to avoid any pain and suffering and challenges in life i think you're fooling yourself and also you're not preparing yourself for what life truly is
0: america is still the greatest nation on earth and i don't care what these communists say i don't care what these socialists say i don't care what these blue-haired freaks say with a tackle box in their face at the college campus.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I don't care what the communists say. I don't care what the socialists say. These blue hair freaks <laughs> on the college campuses, right? All right, so this is entertainment right here, right? This is for shock value and entertainment alone, right? This is saying, hey, I'm willing to say what's on my mind and I'm willing to commit to this because I stand strong. People want leaders who feel confident enough to say what a lot of people won't say. And we rely on our politicians to be just that. That's one of the appeals that Donald Trump had, being able to say things even though it wasn't popular or even though we knew it was going to cause backlash. Now, there's a healthy amount of this and there's an unhealthy amount of this, right? And sometimes you can get yourself in trouble. But He seems like he's naturally in his element. He knows exactly what he's saying, and it won't get him in trouble, especially in his audience and his demographics that vote for him. So he's playing off of that, right? And I can tell you one thing, two things about it for sure. I don't think it's going to appeal to anybody who isn't his voter base. It's only for those people who already agree with him. It's not going to bring anybody into the camp. And this is also going to disqualify him from ever being able to reach out to those people and maybe bring them back from the edge or bring them over to his side. And you got to decide in this world of politics, what type of politician you're going to be. Are you going to be somebody who tries to like walk that thin line and bring people over to your camp that may not necessarily disagree with you through reason? Or are you going to take the route of being the hero of your own base, and relying on them to take care of you at the end of the day. And honestly, some politicians, I think, have gotten to the point where they don't feel like it's nothing they can do to bring people over to their side. So it's a waste of time trying to even play that other role. And you know, every politician has to decide for themselves where they feel they belong.
0: This is the greatest nation on earth, and it's all because of God. He's the one that made it possible. So we give him thanks first and foremost. So now let me get into
1: what i got to tell you all right so here's my issue with that right he said all thanks to god right i don't think okay in my in my estimation right jesus would not say the things that he's saying and no do I, I think that most christians most christians don't believe they're gonna be perfect like jesus right most of them are not gonna say they're gonna be christ like in all of their ways I just find it very ironic to call people blue hair freaks and then turn around and give glory to God. I know that being a Christian doesn't mean you have to be somebody that gets walked over or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, you can deal with your enemies, not from a place of disgust or disdain, but you can deal with them as a necessity. Like you have to go at it because they are against what you believe is right. But at the same time, you can't smear them and treat them in a a disdained fashion, and then turn around and glorify God. I just don't think that 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 makes sense to me, right? And I'm pretty sure there's going to be religious people who it makes sense to, just not me. Jojo, what's up? It's all good. How you doing, Jojo? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Definitely. Definitely.
0: (laughs) July 2nd. 1863, a town called Gettysburg, a place called Little Round Top. It was undefended and the Union Army realized that if the Confederates took that high ground, they could win that battle. They sent troops to defend that uh, that place. And among those troops was a man named Joshua Chamberlain from Maine. Joshua Chamberlain was with the 20th Maine and the 20th Maine became the far left flank of the Union position and was told, hold this position at all costs, because as you go, so goes the battle. Chamberlain's unit, the 20th, was attacked, attacked by the Confederates several times, and they repulsed every attack. But they found themselves without ammunition. They found themselves in desperate straits. And Chamberlain knew that if he did not win that battle on that hill, that, the possibly, that possibly the entire battle would be lost. So he talked to his men and he implored his men and he steeled their spines, and he told them to attach their metal bayonets to their wooden rifles and they lined up and they swung down that hill in the fashion of a picket fence. And they swept those Confederates off of that hill, came back up on the hill, reformed, reformed and won the day. Chamberlain went on to become known as the lion of little round top and received the medal of honor for his actions on that day. Why do I bring that up?
1: Yeah. I (laughs) like, I know this is going somewhere. Right. And it's a fascinating story. That's why I didn't pause it. Right. I was like, okay, I want to see where this is going.
0: (laughs) I bring that up because the world now is Gettysburg and America is little round top and you, you are the soldiers. That stand on that hill in this defense. I want you to notice what I.
1: All right. So a few things here, right? <laughs> it's a very, uh, it's a very good story, right? I think he's working this crowd, right? I think he's from a strategic perception, right? In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he's really doing a good job speaking and bringing a story up that's relatable, right? where i find issue in this story is it's an analogy i don't know if it's meant to be taken seriously but given the nature of politics it only makes sense that people take these things seriously and using words like soldier it, it, it it instills in people that they are literally like fighting a war right and I'm smart enough to know that's not exactly how it should be taken. I'm pretty sure y'all are smart enough to know that that's not how it should be taken. But it's ultimately wackos out there who are going to take this a certain way. When you start using words like soldiers and like breaking up war scenarios. And I get the analogy and the metaphor. But I think that the point could have been made with a better analogy that didn't refer to war. Now, that's where we are. That's where we are politically. The question is, do our politicians have an interest in getting us away from this position? Do our politicians have an interest in unity versus division? I do not think so. I do not think that our politicians are really invested in unity. It pays for division. It pays to have a loyal base that follows you to the ends of the earth who believes that you're good and their enemies are evil? Good versus bad. It's a it's a it's an age-old concept. And politicians and leaders and dictators and all people of the types have been using this kind of rhetoric throughout history because it is effective. It is effective, it is effective, which is why I personally couldn't be a politician or maybe an effective politician in today's time. Because I, I just can't draw those lines in the way that they do. I just, I couldn't personally. That's why I run my mouth for a living. I
0: said, I did not say Congress was the soldier standing on the hill. The Senate is not the, the, the soldier standing on the hill. The city council is not the soldiers standing on the hill. You are the soldiers standing on the hill in defense of this nation. You are.
1: And this is how you get people to vote. <laughs> this is how you get people to vote. Facts. Chaotic Truth won't reach out to you for a debate because he doesn't plan debate panels in advance. He just starts streaming and whoever wants to debate jumps on in front of 100 plus viewers. Panels have five plus. Uh, Yeah, I'll check them out. I'll definitely check them out. If if it's something I can hop on video and actually have a conversation with him, I don't know his personal positions or whatever, but I'd be willing to engage and have a conversation. It'd be good to promote your channel. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do what uh, my boy here doing. I'm going to say, it's up to you to promote my channel. It's up to y'all to share my videos. It's up to y'all to get people, you know, to know about me. (laughs) Reasoning with Democrats in the rhino way that got us here in more bargaining with evil. Okay, now here's a concept that we have to review and we have to pay attention to, right? The question is, and I know that many people have this idea, right? we've been trying to do something one way for so long and it hasn't been working. Doing the same thing over and over and getting a different result is called what? Insanity? That's the quote, right? And then the question is, I believe, it's not even a question, it's a statement. I believe that there is a time to fight and a time for peace. And a smart person, a wise person knows the difference. They know the difference. They know which battles to fight and which ones not to fight. The issue that we have now is we want to fight every single battle instead of focusing our attention on the very few that really makes the difference. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of these social platforms have caused us to jump on every single issue. Anytime something comes up in the news, we immediately jump on it. We, we jump on it with both feet and we're ready to wrestle with it. How is that a strategic plan? right? The reason we never make progress in as many areas as we want to is because our attention is constantly being divided and thrown all over the place. This is not a strategic plan on to win. This is you just trying to pick a fight every chance you get. And I think this is an issue that we all have. Why is it that every time something is viral or something happened, we all decide to throw our attention on there. And as soon as something else happens, we shift our attention. I'll give you a perfect example. We had the coronavirus and everybody's talking about the coronavirus and coronavirus, coronavirus. Russia invaded Ukraine. Now everybody's a specialist on Ukraine and Russia. And then now Donald Trump got raided and now everybody's talking about that. We don't have a plan. We're just going wherever they tell us to go. So at the same time, I get how things wasn't working in the past, but that doesn't mean the plan that you change to is going to work. Your plan still has to be strategic and obtainable and winnable. So switching it up for the sake of switching it up is not always a good thing. You gotta make sure that whatever you're switching it out for is something worth switching to. And I just don't see that and nor do I expect it because it's, it's complicated enough for so many people to be trying to be on the same page. And I highly doubt that that's going to actually take place. There's no incentive for a politician to promote unity until the the constituency respects it. Yes, there is no incentive. I get that probably 80% of voters need this type of rhetoric. It's very hard to get people off of their behinds to get motivated to do something, to really get out there and start fighting for what they believe in. Sometimes it takes drastic measures and drastic um, rhetoric to get people up and get people out there. So it's two ways to reach a voter, one through rhetoric and one through reason. The reason has to be so convincing that that person is willing to get up and do something. But rhetoric is easier because if you can upset people, if you can tap into their emotions, That will get them motivated. It's much easier to reach people emotionally than mentally, and that's what most of our politicians opt for. He's on a five fifteen p.m. PM PST today. Streams last three hours sometimes. All right, if uh, I'll I'll check him out. I trust trust me. I'll check him out.
0: It is up to you to hold this line because we're standing on this hill now, and what do we see? We look down that hill and who do we see charging up? We saw, we see a whole horde being led by Jim Crow Joe, nasty, nasty, and chump, chump, Schumer.
1: <laughs> All right. So here we go. Right, Donald Trump started this name calling, right? Donald Trump, Donald Trump started giving people these like weird names and funny names that everybody would laugh and joke about it, right? And then I started seeing other politicians try to copy this rhetoric. Bad mistake, bad mistake. What makes Donald Trump unique is because that's what his thing is. The moment you start trying to copy his thing, and I'm not saying this guy wouldn't have done this without Trump, but once another person does it, especially they're bigger than you and famous, thing, more famous than you and more powerful than you, then now you just seem like a lackey. So while at the same time, you're trying to seem strong and trying to seem like a leader at the same time, you're coming off as a lackey, somebody who's copying a playbook that's already been written by another player on the field. And I just, It's a a bad taste in my mouth, right? It's like, I already know, like, most of the people who voted for him don't like Nancy Pelosi and all of that anyway. I think that once you have a, a loyal fan base and they already are with you, now it's time to introduce them to your real ideas and real policies. Like, I wish politicians would focus more on what they're offering versus what the enemies are doing. But sadly, I'm a dreamer. Okay. I messed that
0: up.
1: I'm a dreamer.
0: By Jim Crow, Joe, nasty, nasty, and chump, chump Schumer. They're (laughs) coming up the hill, followed by a whole raft of socialist nitwits who believe that a baby in the womb is a clump of cells and do not honor life in the womb. They believe that you should not have a firearm to protect yourself, but that you should pay for them to have firearms to protect them. They don't believe that your children should be educated. They believe that they should be indoctrinated. They're dragging up that hill, all types of things. CRT.
1: Okay. We have to... Okay, this is something that I'm guilty of, right? I have to stop expecting my politicians to be like debaters and philosophers or intellectuals. I have to stop having that expectation, right? Because like, honestly... I don't believe many of our politicians are like like great intellectuals when it comes to like the, the art of like reason and logic. I think it's more so of like, I believe in these things. I'm passionate about these things and I'm gonna run on these things, right? And like whoever gives the best performance wins the day. And the, the sad part of it is the whoever gives the best performance end up getting elected and getting to decide policy and legislation. Now, I'm not saying that politicians... Aren't smart. I'm not saying that they aren't educated, but it's different from being educated and being intellectual. And sometimes you can go to school and they can pump a bunch of stuff in your brain, and then you think that you're intellectual. Well, you're really you're just educated. You've basically been given a list of things that you can recall from your memory. Being intellectual is somebody who can navigate information and draw the right conclusions from it and know how to interpret information easily and i just don't think politicians are on that level or at least i mean do we expect them to be that's a funny thing (laughs) that is a a good question and what's up right the reason man much love man much love brother bad Bear javier would not say to make up trump nicknames (laughs) yo (laughs) oh my god the name calling is divisive but it makes me laugh (laughs) Oh yeah, it's definitely entertaining, right? Entertainment wins the day. It really does.
0: Transgenderism, this idea of birthing people, who in the world came up with that garbage?
1: (laughs) Okay, look, I agree with this man on a few things, right? I agree about the abortion thing. I agree about the birthing people thing, right? Some of this stuff is silly. It's silly, but like, this is political correctness at its best. And political correctness originated in the Soviet Union. It was like, we all know the truth, but we can't speak on the truth, right? So we, like, we know what's what's true, but we also know what's the right thing to say. And what the right thing to say is different from what's the truth. Women give birth, right? And this is, you can say that without being like against people who identify as trans You Like, I don't believe that most people have a hatred in their heart for these people, or neither should you have a hate in your heart for these people, especially if people consider themselves Christians. You should never have hate in your heart for a certain group of people, even if you disagree with them, right? But these word games that we play is only a way to manipulate the conversation and not allow us to be able to be honest when we are engaging with one another. And I think that it does us a disservice when we start switching up words and creating new words in order to change how we have a conversation. Because if you can change how we have a conversation, you can change what's true and what's not true.
0: They're dragging up this socialist idea that criminals should not be punished, that they should be allowed to run rampant, that our borders should be wide open that our police should be
1: demonized. (laughs) It's funny, right? Like, I I saw that Joe Biden did his little switch about, like, we shouldn't defund the police. We should be funding the police, right? (laughs) Um, So here's the thing, right? Democrats will never say these things, but Republicans or conservatives will see what they say and draw these conclusions from it. We will attack them based on the conclusions that we've drawn from their policies. But they will never come out and say, we want open borders. They will never come out and say, you know, these type of things. But at the same time, they'll do the same thing to us as well. And fundamentally, truthfully, there's half truth and there's a lie in each and every single one of them. Because while Democrats will never say we want open borders, nor will they create policies that are open border, what they all do is they may not enforce the laws that we have to the point where it's not causing people to get over here by sneaking over here. So when people say open border, they're not saying that the Democrats have just open the borders that come in. What they're saying is Democrats are not enforcing the laws or creating the laws in such a fashion that will stop it. And therefore, they might as well be open border.
0: That our veterans should be dishonored. And they're also pushing this agenda. To tell you that unless you go get a shot, you cannot keep your job open your business or go to church see those folks that are coming up that hill there's a word for them they're called socialists they're called (laughs) communists i just prefer to call them idiots all
1: right this is this is dirty right our politics has been dirty at least since I can't remember, I haven't been political for like my whole life. I didn't grow up running and like helping campaigns or anything of that. sort. like, it's not as dirty as it has been in the past. Like, I mean, we literally fought a civil war. Right. So I'm pretty sure things got dirty when you murdering your fellow Americans over a disagreement. Right. But it's dirty because like, (laughs) while at the same time, it's like, yo, even if you agree with this guy, do you really think this guy is going to be able to work across the aisle? with people he disagree with to get certain things done? No, of course not. He thinks they're idiots. They know he thinks they're idiots. So realistically it's like, yeah, if you agree with him, you want him to win and you want him to have like the ability to make decisions at the same time, sorry, we don't live in a country where just everybody's agree with this one person. He's gonna have to work with people he disagree with. I just don't see why our politicians make a habit of making themselves unworkable with. And I'm not saying this because I want politicians to get along and make things work. I'm saying this because it happens to affect all of us. So this is not me being pro them getting along. This is me being pro getting stuff done for the American people. And right now we have filled our governorships, our our Congress, Senate with a bunch of people who cannot agree to get along or cannot work with one another. So of course nothing ever gets done. Now, should some things get done? Of course, like we're not gonna agree on everything, but at the same time, why in the hell would I work with somebody who thinks I'm an idiot? Just saying. (laughs) Isn't what he said about the shots? What are we gonna do? Yeah. What are we gonna do? Why
0: do I talk about Joshua Chamberlain and the 26th Maine? I talk about Joshua Chamberlain and the 20th Maine because that is who we come from. We do not come from a weak, ineffective, jellybacked people that when trouble happens, we find a safe space and try to find a counselor to talk about it. Americans stand up and fight for what they believe in and will put their lives on the line for what they believe in.
1: They... All right, so this is straight from the black community. <laughs> This is straight from the black community playbook, right? Black people have a big problem when it comes to therapy and counseling, right? Look, do I think that we are raising a generation that is so like obsessed with like mental health to the point where they're crippling themselves? Of course I do. I think that more and more people are becoming like fragile. You know, good times make weak men. And I think a lot of people are suffering from that. So, on one hand, He's speaking to this idea of, and this is me being generous because I don't exactly know if he's speaking to this, but I'm assuming I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's speaking towards people who have become so emotionally like fragile to, they can't withstand people saying things they disagree with, which is sad. And I think more and more people need to start saying things that make people uncomfortable because you don't have a right to not be offended. That I agree with. But this idea of like counseling and therapy being like weak in, in within itself, that's a black community thing. I really do believe it. And I'm not saying it's not a white uh, people in the white communities or different white communities don't have this idea or different Hispanic communities. I'm not saying that, but I know specifically that this happens a lot in the black community where going to therapy or getting counseling is seen as a form of weakness. But I know plenty of people who are drug addicts or who, who suffer from drug abuse Who needed therapy or who needed to go and get help from other people and talk through their problems and stuff like that and get support. That doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you soft. And we gotta be careful not to walk this line of saying that, you know, going to therapy can be a helpful thing, but everything can't be fixed by therapy. And some of your problems in life, you either gonna have to suck it up and deal with it, or you're gonna have to figure out a different way of getting around it because you know, you got a man up or a woman up and deal with it, the fact that people disagree with you.
0: They will put their money where their mouth is. And when the times get tough, you had best believe that Americans get going just like they did on Little Round Talk. They don't lay down. They don't <laughs> back up. They don't quit. They stand up with everything in them and they push forward. You see, we got a lot of things we got to fix in this nation. We got a president right now that could barely string together two sentences. Somebody told me uh the other day <laughs> I saw Joe Biden on TV and I don't think he was blinking. I told him I think his servos were probably broken on the remote control. You see what happens when you replace a lion. Well, I would say a lamb, but that's an insult the lambs. <laughs>
1: Oh, this dude is straight Southern, bro. This man is trying to solve I swear. <laughs> bro, he got that preacher aspect to it, right? Uh, Southern preachers, man, especially Southern black preachers. They, they got this thing about them, man. And I think that's the vibe I get from this guy. Oh, man. But like, if our president is really like suffering from some kind of mental degradation or something of that sort, the question should be is, okay, how do we fix this? Because He's still the president. And as long as he's the president of the United States of America, the question should be, if he makes us weak, how do we make ourselves stronger? And is attacking him and putting him down the best way? Because he ain't going nowhere, at least at the moment. So is attacking him and putting him down a good thing? Well, when you attack Joe Biden for, like, having dementia or something like that, what you're doing is you're attacking every person who has, like, memory loss or suffering from some kind of speech impediment or whatever, right? You put them down, which I'm not a big fan of doing. But at the same time, if Joe Biden is weak, then the question should be is, how do we how do we get him through this period of time unscathed as best as possible? And I don't think it's necessarily going to work by just tearing him down because he's the president of the United States of America. I want him to succeed. I want every president to succeed. But also, we got to fight him against some of the things that he wants to do that we don't agree with while at the same time trying to make sure that he survives his presidency.
0: I'm not really sure what our current president is. I'm not really sure if he realizes what he is. But (laughs) I know this. (laughs) Anthony. In November, we have got to stand on that hill and we have got to declare to America that conservative principles win the day and conservative principles work. See, here's
1: the thing, right? I 100% agree with him. And that's the message that I want to hear, right? Let's say I'm a liberal and I voted Democrat my whole life. What is it about your conservative principles that work? Why is it that I should think like you think? Why is it that I should change who I vote for? What are you offering me that caused me to change my mind? He spent a lot of time demonizing the Democrats and the liberals and calling them names and stuff like that. Okay, that's all fair. Okay, now you talk about conservative principles. Let's see if he's going to list those off, explain why they work, and convince people who are on the fence or may need a change in their life, why they should agree with him. You know, I- I'd be interested to see where this goes.
0: So we've got to get out. We've got to fight. We've got to talk to our friends and neighbors. Can't be the silent majority anymore. Silence never did anything in this nation. Imagine if the founders had been silent. <laughs> Imagine if the abolitionists had been silent. Imagine if all the folks who came before you that made today possible had been silent and refused to stand up and fight. It was time to talk to our neighbors. It's time to talk to our friends. It's time to tell our families a good story about what conservatism does. It's time to remind them of the good days under President Donald Trump.
1: All right. So I, I just don't think this plan is going to work right. Like for me to be a conservative, my most, my, one of my main interests is like discussing conservative values and trying to like put them in a way that other people can understand and possibly agree with. He said conservative values work and conservative principles work, but he's not going to list off any conservative principles or any conservative values, right? When they play this clip and when other people see this clip, all they're going to see is him calling blue hair freaks and, you know, idiots. That's what they're going to focus on. They're not going to get any substance of the conservative platform or conservative values from this conversation. If anything, it's going to just seem like, oh, conservatives are calling people names and conservatives are being mean and dirty and nasty. And that does nothing for conservatism. Now, you can make the argument, well, at least he's fighting. At least he's being up and all of that. Yo, you could be fighting and be wrong. You could be the biggest, baddest dude on the block and still be wrong. Does it help you? Does it? If if we care about saving this country, if we care about making good policies and good legislation that really help people, none of this theater matters. None of this theater makes any difference. Because if you really care about making changes, you will be willing to do whatever, even that means swallow your pride, to make it work. This conversation, this speech is not going to bring anybody over to the conservative side. This is only meant to amp up the base. And I'm sorry to say it, but they're your base for a reason. They already agree with you.
0: You know, President Donald Trump, the one that CNN, I and ABC that. And the rest of all these <laughs> lying news agencies. Don't get me started. I ain't got the three minutes. That I could go three days talking about how pitiful the news media is. So let me say this to the news media. I'm going to tell you this once, and I've already told you before. I'm not scared of the news media. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, last time I...
1: Okay. Uh, here's the thing about the news, right? And uh yeah, you 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 are right, Lois. Uh I don't think he has any liberals or democrats in the audience for him to convince of his principles. The audience already know his types of principles. Yeah, I agree, but like this is on national television, this is at CPAC. There are gonna be many liberals watching on television. This is like people are gonna be playing this and different news networks are gonna pick this up and show this and broadcast it to other audiences. And stand firm in what you believe back it up fight for it but at the same time make sure you're throwing little nuggets of truth that people can pick up on and understand why you stand where you stand it's not enough just to attack you have to have some substance that people can hold on to and say you know what he said this this this, is this and like now that i think about it it makes sense it makes perfect sense you know yeah we need people with merit not character uh characteristics yeah uh we do. I, I, I totally agree.
0: I shook in my shoes was the last time uh, my mom or daddy took their belt off uh, for me. And that was a long time ago. There's only one that can take their belt off on me. And he sits high and he looks low. And he is the ruler of this world. And it is not ABC, CBS, or NBC. Those agencies don't have the answers because they don't even know what the question is. So I don't fear them. If anything, I stand firm. And when they get mad, I know I'm doing it right.
1: All right, so about the news, right? We know that there's media bias. We know that there are like, there are a lot of news networks who are bent towards the left, right? We understand this. You know, there is a certain level of fake news out there, right? And it's dangerous because it can cause a whole variety of people to believe in things that are not true or see only one side of the story and that's fine. But I also don't wanna, I don't wanna hear any criticisms from people who only criticize the mainstream media, but they consume Fox media all day. I don't wanna hear any criticisms because at the same time, you can't complain about somebody only consuming left-wing media news and getting the worst biases and stuff. And you only listen to one source of news or media. Now, if you listen to Fox and you also listen to CNN and you look at ABC and like, you look at all these different platforms, and you try to, you know, wrestle with these things and get to the bottom of it. That's one thing. But don't talk about somebody else feeding into their bias if you are somebody who perpetuates the same mindset, right? Now, I understand that this guy is a conservative. At least he says he's a conservative. He runs for the Republican Party. So I accept that, right? But he doesn't come off as a type of person who is interested in seeing where he might be wrong. He doesn't strike me as that type of person. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on this, but he doesn't come off as the type of person who challenges his own thoughts and his own way of thinking because he already thinks that anybody who disagrees with him are, are socialists, communists, people who are idiots. So he doesn't strike me as that type of person. He could be that type of person and he's only running this type of way because he needs the support he needs. And this is what gets the people going. But I mean, I just don't think enough people do enough self-reflection. And my job is I don't give a damn about being famous or being popular. I give a damn about the people who do listen being intelligent enough and wise enough to be able to explain their positions and understand why they arrived to the conclusions that they have. And be able to intellectually explain it to somebody else. Because there's a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old who might look to you one day for answers. And you might need to give them the answer in a way that really convinces them. That's all I'm saying.
0: We got to stand up. We got to stand tall. And we got to stand firm. Because now is not the time for what was called <laughs> long ago cowards and shirkers. Cowards and shirkers got no place right now. Unfortunately, uh, in Washington, D.C., we got a lot of cowards and shirkers.
1: What's up?
0: Guess who can get rid of those cowards and shirkers? The men on that hill. And who is the men on that hill? It is you.
1: We love you too, Fluffy. Folks,
0: I didn't come here today to encourage my colleagues. They don't need any encouragement. I came here today (laughs) to encourage you. To stand up and be the king and queens that you need to be. To study your Bible, read your constitution, and carry those truths into the political arena so that we can save this nation from the socialist horde that is trying to drag it down into the pit of hell. It is going to be up to you. You must be the leader. You must be the ones to save this nation. You think about it. When this country was in peril during the revolution, who saved it? It was the soldiers on the field, the ordinary men and women, when it was in peril during the Civil War who saved it, the ordinary men and women, when it was in peril during World War One and World War II.
1: See, if he keeps bringing up examples that have to do with killing people and having warfare, it's just bad optics, man. Like, you keep bringing up all the time we had to kill other people to get what we wanted. It's bad optics. Now, okay. On the other hand, on the other hand, I really do believe the Conservative Party is more rhetoric than they are substance. There are some politicians in the Conservative Party who are a lot substance, right? Then there are those politicians who are just rhetoric. I really do believe that they are rhetoric. This guy strikes me as rhetoric, but he's really good at apping the people up. I give him that much. And all
0: of our other calamities, who saved it? It was the ordinary American who stood up and did extraordinary things. It is time for you to stand up and do extraordinary things. And so I say to you standing on this stage right now, read your Bible, believe in God, read your constitution, hold them dear to your hearts, place the sword of truth on top of that bayonet of courage or the bayonet of truth, excuse me, on top of that rifle of knowledge. Steal your spines and get ready to charge down that hill. And let's sweep this socialist horde off of this blessed land we call the shining city on the hill, the United States of America. God bless you all. (laughs) God bless Texas. God bless North Carolina. And God bless the great
1: state of North Carolina, thank you. All right, so, I mean, that's that. Uh, I don't know this man, Hart. I don't know his past, I don't know his history, but I will say that a lot of rhetoric, a lot of anger, a lot of like name calling, and that's where we are. Some politicians are rhetoric, some politicians are substance. The good news is you can have both. You can have a politician who knows rhetoric, but also is standing on substance. And giving both at the same time. I don't he doesn't strike me as that type of person, right? Which is fine. They can vote for who they want to vote for. Just personally, I think he could have did a better job. And he could have bought a lot more substance to the conversation. One
0: in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.